a fog descends on a local AMP. Friends become foes, and foes become friends. Don't get lost in the mist. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Mid podcast, the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing, of course, The Mist. Quite possibly the most depressing film we've ever covered on Monsters vs. Mid. I'm Eric. <laughs> Quite most definitely the most depressing. <laughs> I'm Alex. Oh, man. And Alex, yes, we are watching The Mist. And it wasn't our choice. No. It was your choice, the listeners. Um, it was a split decision this week when we had the mist up against big man Japan. I, I, I'm with you, Alex. I think after the ritual last week, we needed a palate cleanser ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think big man Japan would have been something pretty different for the show, but I'm sure we'll cover it someday. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It got yeah. split between Patreon and Twitter and yep. it was up to Faye again because Michael, once again, not there to save me from this movie. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Michael. <laughs> yep. So up so, to our producers. Um, they came out on, on top. And so, yeah, The Mist it is. And honestly, The Mist is the more popular film. Um, and it's one that I haven't seen, well, so I, I was okay with it. I'm okay with watching it. Yeah. I'm glad we did. I'm glad I've seen this movie and experienced the horror. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, and, but before we get there, uh, because I think we'll get to kind of a dark place. Let's let's start with a place of light, Alex. A land of light. I want to I want to thank some of our new bargain base mites over at patreoncom slash Um So remember Jamie Swift, Alex, who mm-hmm. we're pretty sure is William Eubank. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're certain. That he, yeah, we're certain. He says he's a hundred percent not William Eubank. But here's what he also said. This sounds a little suspicious to me. A little sus, Alex. Mm. He says. You guys were talking about how well-timed me becoming a patron before the underwater episode. I'd like to bring up another point of serendipity that ties into question the question I asked. I watched Underwater late last year because I was a quote-unquote fan of the screenwriter Brian Duffield. Thought I'd bring up to keep the train of coincidence going. I don't think that's a coincidence, quote unquote, yeah. Jamie. Yeah. I think yeah. we all know just, the secret. Just happened to be my best friend from yeah. Brian just Duffield. Just happened to be a fan of the screenwriter, Brian Duffield. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Our <laughs> my Brian good pal, Duff- who I adapted a script to create this movie for, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a yeah. chance. We believe that, Jamie. Yeah, keep up the story. I like it. I like it. We'll go along with it for now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm looking to see if they're best friends in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, though, a thank you to Joe Williams. Joe Williams is a, a new bargain base mite. And I have to say, I also have a thank you to the uh, not Kaiju Apostle podcast, the Saved by the Belial Atrocious podcast uh, of David Marshall's uh, and company. Because Joe Williams heard about us by listening to Saved by the Belial and he started. He said he told me he's starting from the beginning, Alex, and wanted to become a patron to show oh. his support. Uh, and he was excited to take the Godzilla journey alongside us. So, oh, cool! That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. 
And then lastly, we've got what I consider a friend. Terry became a bargain base mite. Terry's a longtime listener to the show. He he watches alongside us each week, Alex, which is like how I envision it to be. You know, it's like Terry and my brother. <laughs> you know, they watch every single movie just like we do right yeah. before we do our reviews. And I really appreciate that like that's really really cool and a lot of dedication so terry never needed to become a patron to earn our support and love mm-hmm. <laughs> we, not everybody else did Terry's right great. especially like that michael hamilton guy definitely right. needed to become no. a patron no. for our love and support but, but terry but terry's great yeah terry's great yeah. oh yeah so i love interacting I, with him he's great we guy. appreciate it terry <laughs> but enough of that light stuff alex it's time to get into the dark stuff yeah so shall i start our film introduction for the mist yeah, start on the count of four. <laughs> <laughs> After box office and critical success with Stephen King adaptations of The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont took on King's horror novella, The Mist. Full of monsters, giant, flying, and religious ones, The Mist is a grim look at the dark side of human nature. But I don't think we can start anywhere in this discussion without starting with the ending first, which I know is exactly probably what you're not supposed to do, Alex, in mm. these discussions, mm-hmm. but I can't help it. So tell me, what the heck was the point with that ending? <laughs> oh, no, man. <laughs> I'm not sure if there is a point, which may be the point. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I think. Like, I, I think there is no point, and so that's the point, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've seen bleak endings, but this takes the cake. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> this is just like, ugh. Then the yeah. insult to injury for this one silenced every showing of the movie that I went to go when I went to go see this in theaters. And I was dumb enough to see this three times in theaters. Yeah, that's that's wacky. I, I, had, I have no I had, idea. I, I saw it twice in one day because I had made promises to two. I made too many promises with people to go see this, thinking that this would not depress me. And then all of my promises all came true, which was very rare in high high school. Like normally uh, at least one group or two groups would drop it. Well, there I was three times in one weekend watching this movie. That's awful. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah, it was. So dead silence as you walked out of the movie. Now, it did get more enjoyable each time I saw it back then because I'm just waiting to watch everyone else react. <laughs> so a twisted kind of enjoyment watching everyone be depressed. You're um, twisted as the director, Alex. Yeah, That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, which is so unusual for this guy. Uh, real quick, very surprised mm-hmm. that Frank Darenbout was so depressing with this yeah. after doing Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, movies with a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah, he changed the ending, you know, like, uh, I'm sure you've, you knew that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he changed the ending from King's original ending, which was more ambiguous and offered a bit more hope. Um, Like you weren't sure what ended up happening to him, but there was a little bit of hope there. He was like, nah, we're just going to make it like this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and King says that he likes this ending better, but King's opinions on movies are completely null and void. Every time he has said something positive about a movie, it's been bad. <laughs> and when he directed his own movie, he made one of the worst movies ever. So he he said the gunslinger did his books proud. His seven book anthology. 
No, yeah, right. <laughs> and they were. It was an awful movie that made no sense. Every time something is made of his, he praises it. So <laughs> he's an idiot. Yeah, Let's so just you say can't that. Quite, I, can't quite I, trust him. I like it. I like his work. He sucks. Though. He's an idiot. I disagreed. Yeah, I disagree with with King's own assessment of this movie's ending. I texted you, Alex. I said the ending was quote beyond dumb. Yes. Yep. Yep. You said he said it was beyond dumb, and I'm trying to make some sense out of it. Like that's I, right. I, I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to figure out what the heck just happened. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, I don't think this is dumb at all. Like cynical for sure, <clears throat> as you had mentioned lately. But dumb, I, I don't I don't think it's dumb. I, I think it makes complete sense. But the salt in the wound at the end has led to a bunch of people say kind of the the short of what you're saying and and you've told me since that that was your immediate reaction after watching it Mm -hmm. which i think is most people's immediate reaction after watching it and then ruminating on it it's just like uh the conclusions you come to are like uncomfortable then you have questions about the director and everyone involved and you're (laughs) like are they okay um you know I don't know what the ending means. And honestly, I've been racking my brain about it all day and I, I can't do it. Like maybe it's just don't give up hope because if you do, well, look what you'll do. And I I, honestly, though, I got, I got no idea. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's a little incoherent, but yeah, I'm just still surprised that you went to this movie three times in theaters. I can't imagine seeing it more than once in theaters. Um, But yeah, as I said, that text (laughs) message I sent you immediately after was just that quick snapshot reaction. But I still think it's nihilistic to a degree that's almost comical. Um, And this is coming from someone that honestly, I I can feel pretty nihilistic myself sometimes, right? Uh, I can be pretty cynical. And honestly, I knew something major was going to happen at the end. Because anytime you talked about this movie, it, you might have even spoiled this for no, me. No, I've purposely not spoiled it for you. That's right. You, you, you never have. Um, but you didn't spoil it. But I thought, like, I had this idea that you did spoil it for me. I had recalled this sort of fact that it turns out that everyone dies at the end. Actually, that everyone has been dead at the end. And, like, the mist is some sort of purgatory that these characters have been placed in, which I think would have made for a, oh. a better story. And I think actually. it's somehow lamer than the depressing <laughs> ending. No, that would have been really cool. Like okay. they start driving away and then like they just drive back into town. Um, All right. You're just describing Silent Hill. Everyone tells, tell oh, is that what Silent it is. Hill I've never is. played Silent Hill. I've never played Silent Hill. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's kind of, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> well, it turns out no purgatory, Alex, just plain old Lord of the Flies type of paranoia and one of the most cynical endings I've ever seen. But I think we should probably get into the film a little bit more. I- I'll try to make some sense of this ending as as we discuss it. But let's talk about the characters. Let's talk about the characters first. Which ones stand out to you? What, what do you think about the main character, David? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I kind of like almost everything else about, except for the ending about this movie. And, and David's actually one of the characters that I do like. Uh, he's pretty under control. He's pretty reasonable throughout the film. Uh, he's pretty optimistic overall, overall as well. But as he sees the horrors of this like new world, 
like and the man falling and bursting into spiders. Uh, it changed him, just like it did Jim. <laughs> just not quite to that degree. And then he sees someone get murdered and sacrificed in front of him to a giant monster outside the door. And the man was innocent of what they were mad at him about. Uh, yeah, and then they attempt to do that with his son. Not great. So yeah, we, we witness a guy go from pretty optimistic, even about a friendship with a guy who had sued him and seen him in court. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, we realized that these two guys really hate each other. Yeah, but I was then wondering the, what that was going to be about, but we never really found out. Yeah, yeah. But the, but then it turns out that it there's like almost an optimism of like, oh, these guys could get along, even though they're, they seem icy at first. So there's like this pretty good optimism at the beginning. And then he, he goes from that to a guy that kills four people in a car, including his own son, to save them from the outside world. So... Yeah, I think we see a witness, we witness his fall of that optimism and, yeah, the optimism of the world and what there is out there. And then there's Ollie, who I really like. He's he's really this perceptive character throughout the film who always seems to understand what people are going through. Uh, there's a moment where Jim and his cohort, they're, they're in there getting ready to get that uh, little, the redheaded, uh, <laughs> the redheaded bagger killed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he, as he points out, they've pretty much lost their masculinity because this situation is not under in their control. It's kind of his perception of what's happened. Mm-hmm. They've lost control and this is their way to take it back. Even if, it, you know, it's not a good look for either one of the guys. Uh, and I really, I really like that. Like he, he is, He's he sees everything around him, and you see that when when uh, what's his name? What's the main character's name? I'm blanking. David. David. When David walks in and talks to him, he kind of seems to know everything that's going on around him. Now, what I do like about Ollie also is that he's courageous, and he just always wants to do what's right. Plus, mm-hmm. he's good with a gun. <laughs> then, <laughs> then we get the insanity of a character like Miss. Car- we we try to decide how to say her name, Miss Carmondi. Carmendy, Carmendy, yeah. Miss Carmendy, who is just awful. Like, but in a believable kind of way. Like, she's the worst type of Christian. She doesn't practice what she preaches, and is just vile to everyone around her. I think everyone knows someone like this. Yet she is insane. Like, she's definitely insane. Um, but and I think she's insane before this movie starts. Which mm-hmm. there, there's a there's a line earlier in the film. Like everyone knows that she's off yeah. of it. Yeah, but what's cool about this movie, as Ollie says, he says, as a species, we are fundamentally insane. Put two more than two of us in a room together, we pick sides and start dreaming up reasons to kill one another. Mm-hmm. The, I think this film illustrates the mob mentality kind of perfectly. How logic can be thrown out the window when all hope is lost. How a coincidence can be used to trick others into following. And yeah. The whole element, like this, this whole element of the film feels pretty remarkably relevant to me today. Yeah, I think my biggest issue is just that conclusion um, that this this mob mentality. I think you know, like this is the narrative that we've been told. This is how it works. I just don't think it actually does work that sort of way. Um, yeah, and and actually, I don't know if I do know anybody like Mrs. Carmendy 
right? Uh, but I, I'll get to her. I, I think I would have liked this movie more with a couple of changes. And then one of the changes um, is just the characters. I, I actually think the characters are pretty terrible, honestly. Boom. Almost all of them. Um, I think the film tries to go for this gritty realism, of course, right? We see that at the end, like, this is just, we're just trying to be like realistic here. You know, this is not the ending you expected. No, nobody would see this coming, you know, like this is so anti Hollywood. I'm, I'm cool <laughs> with that. Sure. Great. Right. Um, but each character is essentially a caricature. And when you're mixing gritty realism with caricatures, then you just come off as dehumanizing everybody in the film. Um, yeah. I mean, Mrs. Carmody is an extreme example but she's actually not even the worst case of this caricature, in my opinion. I think the worst case is William Sadler's character, Jim, who you mentioned. Huh. If he was in this film today, let's say this was made in 2021, the only thing you would need to add to his character would be a red Make America Great hat, right? And the picture would be complete. But I think, I mean, and that's what this is kind of going for. I think that would be completely dehumanizing, <laughs> 100% to anybody like this character or anybody that would wear a red MAGA hat, right? Uh, it's an insult to small town working class people, starting right from our first introduction to him, where he overreacts to David not wanting to go outside and causes the death of that Clark, right? The teen Clark, mm -hmm. who was another caricature. And then what about Andre Brower's character, Brent, you know, who you mentioned? I did have high hopes for that character uh, and for David's character kind of having this interaction, this back and forth, this conflict that is never really settled, like, which it's, it doesn't have to be settled, but we don't really find out what their tension was. We just know that they have tension and then the tension comes out when, when fear is in play, mm -hmm. which I get. But then him and a few random customers in the store just leave and we don't get any sort of follow up to yep. them. Um, it's confusing and to me a bit hollow how it all plays out. And David, yeah, he's kind of a blank slate of a character for me, which I guess is kind of maybe what the film is going for. I don't think he has too many qualities or characteristics. Uh, I guess it's fine if you just want to show this journey for him where he starts off pretty rational and he becomes fear-driven and irrational. But I don't know if like that sort of message is, it just doesn't quite work. And so what makes him give up hope so suddenly at the end? I, I don't know. I, I can't quite fathom it still. And maybe I'm not supposed to, as you said at the beginning. Uh, I think I would have preferred the ambiguous ending from the King novella. But I, it, it, we, we get what we get. And I think maybe what bothers me is this fact that this is a tragedy. Like that ending is tragic. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I'm trying to figure out what's David's tragic flaw. And I don't know if there is a clear one. So then I have no idea if there's any sort of message here. Um, and if there is a message, what is it exactly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure on the message. I mean. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I won't offer rebuttals to many points because <laughs> I don't remember them all. But I, I, I think a lot of meaning could be lost when looking at this movie through a lens of the ending, which is something that would be really, really hard not to do, me included, because it's hard not to think 
the mist and think of the ending <laughs> because it is probably one of the most memorable endings I've ever seen. Um, but I, I think that this is a beware of group think tale, a beware of extremists and your fellow neighbor. We see people band together to do the right thing. Like when they try to help the burn victim or when even uh, when Audrey Brower's character, when they go out together, they're going to do what they think is right. Heck, they may have been the ones that found the army and brought them where they were. We don't know. Right. Because they were going to go look for help. It's so it's hard to extract much in terms of themes. I think from this one, I, I, I do think this is more of an examination than a theme. If that makes any sense, like, Almost like, and this is not the word I want to use, but documentary. Just because it's focused more <laughs> on the actions of the characters, not really an overall quality. Because, mm-hmm. I, and I mentioned it earlier, but how the crowd rallies around a figure so quickly, uh, and they become extreme, like ants following a queen almost, is very believable to me. Uh, and even if she is a bit of a caricature, and it's not even about her religion, it's just being offered this leader because honestly in that mark, she is the only one offering herself up to be a leader. Everyone else is she's kind offering of, answers. She's offering answers. I mean, even David, like he's doing a little bit, but it feels like he's running around doing so much that he's not there present enough to like, Hey, let's work together. <laughs> and so, like you said, she's offering answers. She's there to speak in the whisper in their ear every time they turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, honestly, like in, in the way that people change and react and follow someone yeah. who apparently has a some sort of, based on their extreme coincidences and everything else, uh, some mm-hmm. charisma of some sort, it feels almost too honest to that degree to me almost. Yeah. Well... I like the idea of an examination instead of a direct message. I think you're right there. I like. I, I don't think there's any coherent message that we can get out of this. And I think that's fine. I don't really need my movies to give me a clear-cut message. That takes away from the complexity of a good movie. But I think this is pretty clear-cut in regards to how one-sided it is towards human nature. I don't think there is that complexity there. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, <laughs> like we see the the mob mentality uh, rule out or, or win out, right? And I, I just don't think that's always realistic. I just think human nature is more complex than that. I think Amanda is the one believer in the best of humanity. But even she, she gives into groupthink at the end and buys into this weird suicidal ideology. We're just going to give up hope that the first time we, we run out of gas, right? Um, but to get back to Mrs. Carmody for a second, I don't, first of all, there's a couple times when she like curses, right? She says swear words. I don't yeah. think she'd do that. That's not in her character, hmm. by the way, right? Anyone that, that you've. I, Dude, I know people like this. I'm telling you. I know people like this. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. If this is Carmody, I was like, I know this person. Uh, I, I, I've known a lot of, a lot of even like going to, going to Christian school for most of my life, right? Like being. I've never met anyone like Mrs. Carmody, right? I, I just don't think she, I don't think her extreme is is that realistic, 
she automatically would become more complex as a character if she somehow showed compassion and humanity, even in just one quiet moment, one small moment, right? Like that moment with her and Amanda in the bathroom um, where Amanda <laughs> offers some kindness and she's, she's like, I don't need you looking down on me, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If there was some small moment of compassion there, mm. right? I, I think... Honestly, she'd become a more compelling character. And I actually might believe in her a little bit more. I just think it would make the movie more nuanced and, and more complex. With, 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 yeah, with, it'll make that sacrifice to... later much more complex. <laughs> it does. It, no, it does. You're right, I think. Right? It does. It does make it makes her character and like the, the turn that she takes even more complex if she starts off... Um, if you feel like she uh, has any humanity at the beginning of the film, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but so. you know, I don't, I, I just don't buy how she amasses that following like you did in such such a short amount of time. Now, I, I agree that like this is what we think. <laughs> like, if we were to paint like a caricature of how we would think this would buy like play out, like Lord of the Flies, yeah, it's it's what we think would happen. Um, it feels relevant, right, in this sort of extremist sort of way. It's like this is sort of the caricature picture we see in the media, I think, of this mob mentality. And I could get really political right now, I think, uh, on our main review, Alex. But instead, I'll just say we get political a little bit on MVM Plus, baby. <laughs> on MVM Plus today, we do get political a little bit. We, we get into this more. We actually have a whole lot more to say, I think, about this ending, too, and about kind of um, where it took us, you know? Mm. <laughs> uh, and that's over at patreon.com slash Pod. We also talk about Spider-Man Far From Home and how I don't think it fits into the MCU very well and how Alex, is, Alex thinks I'm an idiot for that. And... <laughs> We also decide if I should finish Dragon Ball Z after not particularly liking the Frieza saga. Again, another blasphemy in mm-hmm. Alex's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty yeah. much we argue the entire NVM Plus. So if that's your thing, uh, <laughs> go on over uh, to patreon.com slash Pod, and you'll definitely enjoy this conversation. But I did want to ask you something. Yeah. Uh, you're saying about humanity, like it, it's all one-sided against humanity. Uh, but we do see something that I didn't, I didn't really re- remember. Uh, so when they go out to the car, there's a team of them. Three of them die. One of them goes back to the storefront, and you would think that he would not be allowed back in. But did you notice they let him back in? Mm-mm. The 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 clerk that he doesn't believe about the tentacle until he goes and sees it and he touches it. The owner of A and P or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, manager. He gets back in. He, they let him back in, and when they're circling, like doing their victory run right in front of it, they're gloating. Um, he is actually back inside. Hmm. So he lived. They let him inside, and that's after the death of their leader, hmm. which is interesting. Just a small note that I noticed. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if they would have let him back in if uh, if she was around. Hmm. So, yeah. interesting. Oh, and yeah. I did want to ask you real quick about the monsters. We hadn't even talked about them. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the monsters, and then we'll do our awards 
But yeah, monsters. I thought they were pretty cool, uh, pretty basic. They weren't the focus of this movie. Uh, that's for sure, mm-hmm. right? We get tentacles, tentacles, yes. <laughs> and we get uh, locusts, giant yeah. locusts, mm-hmm. uh, and the something birds. that's an even bigger locust type of thing. Well, we get the bird that eats them. The bird, yeah. And then um, we get the spiders. Uh huh. And, and then we, we get, get the giant, the, end, the giant, which is really cool. And um, whatever that thing walking around out out front of that place is. Yeah. Right. But again, it's like we have all these monsters. It's not a movie about the monsters. Our focus is on the monsters. It's not like we have great effects that highlight these monsters. No, and uh, they weren't good in 2007 either. No, they were like. Honestly, the way the movie is shot reminds me a lot of like a sci-fi original movie. It's like that the same feeling that I had when I started watching GMK. And I think I made that comment. Um, and not in sort of a negative sort of way. Um, the same feeling I had when watching GMK was the feeling that I got with watching this movie and just the style of how it was shot. It felt a lot very of people- sci-fi movie. A lot of people recommend watching this in the black and white version that they released with yeah. the DVD. I've heard uh, that. That would yeah. be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the tentacle monster, I really liked it. Like, it seems basic, but it is so interesting. To, because you get a taste of a monster, kind of like the one out front that I really like, too. You get a taste of it, but you have no idea what this thing is or what right. it looks like. Right. Like, is that just his hand, or like <laughs> what? What is this thing? So, I, I, I love it. I love how destructive it is, and it's got yeah, it those just rips sharp... out flesh. Yes, <laughs> that and was cool. It's just, it's really cool. Now, again, in two thousand seven, I remember watching this, going, "Oh, the effects aren't that great." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the monster, and I actually like the big one. Uh, quite a bit too. I was watching it. I was really paying attention to it when I walked across the screen today, and you could see the bird ones are actually following it. Like they're mm. they're you you see them around portions of its body. I guess probably cool. feeding off of whatever's falling off of it. Yeah, yeah, neat. No, um, I'm with you. I thought that that giant monster at the end. It would have been cool to get a little bit more of that, even. But no, I really yeah, liked Thomas it. Jane one on one with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right, Alex. <laughs> coolest character award. Who'd you have? Ollie. He's, Ollie was cool. Yeah. Ollie. Ollie was cool. He was cool headed the whole time. Even when he died, he he still somehow managed to get them the gun, even if it was by chance. Um, which is a shame. <laughs> which is a shame. Yeah. Which it turns out to be because you know I was watching the movie. I was thinking like, oh, it's almost like divine intervention. Like this gun falls perfectly, and it's like, oh. No, it's not. Because well, it's when they the like, and they're like screaming, like, "Don't get it! Don't get it!" Yep, don't get it, and he does. And I'm like, "Don't get it! Don't get it! Why do you you don't need it, right?" Oh my gosh. Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. After you see spider a man burst into spiders, your opinion of whether you need a gun or not might change. But if like the threat is bigger than than the four bullets and the gun, I mean, well, it is yeah, one, one man did kill it with a, with a pole. The one that big with a pulse. So. Yeah, the the little one. But no, no, no. He is... killed a big one. He killed a big one. Remember the uh, he, he has that pole and he jabs it into its like face and lifts it up in the air. But even the bigger one, right? The one that yeah, I'm talking about because there's a big one that catches them at the exit of the door when they're running out. 
because he shoots a whole bunch of small ones, and then he goes to shoot the big one, and he runs out of bullets. Mm, that's right. Remember? Yeah. yeah. But uh, but but Ollie, he, he go he does everything right in this movie. Uh, he kind of almost fortunately meets his end at this monster compared to what happens in the car later on. Uh, but I just again I like his perception of every, everybody. He seems to care about everyone. He also seems to have a bit of an understand. Like, like again, it's just his perception that I really care the most about. Yeah, I'm okay with Ollie. Honestly, he is a cynical character too, actually. But like, his cynicism drives him to action and actually drives him to trying to do what he thinks is best in each situation. Yes, so, it does. I, it, I it doesn't like make him. him a worse person for some reason. <laughs> no, no, no. It, like, I, I'm not necessarily against cynicism overall. Like, you can be a cynical person and be a wonderful human being. Um, I, I just don't know if you can be this cynical of a film and be a wonderful film. <laughs> but my character, yeah, my it. character is Irene <laughs> Repler, uh, which is the elderly woman who knows how to create a hairspray torch. Um, awesome right yeah she's great she's great now i'm not sure about her whole like trying to stone (laughs) oh i thought it was awesome yeah (laughs) finally some action over here shut this lady up that's what i'm talking about she's she was great she was great overall um let's be real if ollie didn't kill her she she would have killed her (laughs) right exactly and the fact that she like decides she's gonna go out on this like expedition Yes. I don't know why they would let her go, to be well, honest. She, I'm she, knew, she knew where the meds were, right? Is so when they got in there, they couldn't that. figure out. And she was like, it's over there. It's in the fridge right over there. I got you. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah, I was like, why is she going? But I was like, credit <laughs> to her. She's she's awesome. So for me, it was Irene Repler. Oh, yeah. She was cool. Yeah. Uh, what about your most memorable line award? So mine came from Amanda. I mentioned Amanda earlier. I also considered Amanda for my most uh, or my, my coolest character award. But no, she's not the coolest character because of how she just decides, okay, I'm just going to allow this to happen to me at the end. But she says, you don't have much faith in humanity, do you? Um, And I think that's just kind of like a summation of the entire movie as a whole. So like, yeah, yeah, that's what this movie's about. Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Uh, It says um, it was David and it's after the, the, the bagger gets killed mm-hmm. and Jim's over there making excuses and like that. It was his idea and stuff like that. And he said, yeah, he's a kid. He's supposed to be stupid. What's your excuse? Yeah. And Jim is just the worst. Jim is the worst. I already just told you like I, that line is just an example though of what I actually don't like about it. It's like they painted this whole like uh, artist versus like the blue collar type of worker sort of, the blue collar worker is dumb. The artist turns out to be right. And then it just gets worse and worse for Jim as he goes along. And he just becomes more and more of just like an absolute idiot. Right. Yeah. But, but see, like I, I don't perceive, cause I, I did write down some notes like in this moment, I was like, uh, you know, there's some interesting things here. Like, you know, religion, education, manliness, like what's the beef between the, all these people. And, and, in this moment, I don't think it's really like, yeah, he he has beef with somebody that has the, an X type of career or an X type or an X type of status. But 
and yeah, he's a blue collar, he's a blue collar worker who gets shot down over and over, but Ollie's a blue collar worker and he kicks butt the whole time. So I, I don't think it's quite that. I think it's just this one gems one. I don't think it's the films narrative yeah. as much as Jim's personal beef with somebody and maybe his own inadequate. I mean, again, I understand what you're saying. I Jim's don't think really like, masculine. I think he's just masculine, like toxic. Oh, God, I hate using this. He's just over ma- overly masculine in a way he's, because he's showcasing it, his toxic masculinity. Alex. Oh God. I just, okay. You said it, not me, but, uh, but, but, but he's, he's showing his inferiority by getting mad at things that are frankly, not really his problem. And even Ollie, again, he pointed out the whole reason he's acting this way is because he's essentially lost control of a situation. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, he did that, but that's not a good reason the for whole, him but, to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I see what you're saying, but what I would uh, push back on is, you know, whenever, uh, uh, Jim, whenever Jim is is stating this like separation between like the artist and the the blue collar worker at the beginning, and he's trying to like say why should we believe you? Everybody else goes along with him, right? Like all the other blue collar workers in that moment go along with him. Ollie is kind of the, the exception, you know, mm-hmm. um, to the rule. But yeah, everybody else is pretty go along with it. Now there, now one of them does kind of like. Uh, turn their stance and yes. go out with David at the end um, and stays kind of with that other subgroup. Um, well, even David's the biker, group. the biker, he's with them the whole time. He's doing everything for them. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, See? we just spend a lot of time with Jim. <laughs> we do spend a lot of time with Jim, and that's, but I do like seeing his complete break. I mean, he's breaking down as fast as anyone or faster than a lot of people. Yeah. And to see his complete mental break after the spider encounter, I did like. Yeah, I got you. What about you? Can't believe the acting award. Uh, gotta be give, give mine to Marcy Gray Harden as Miss uh, Carmody. I think she, mm-hmm. I think she does a great job with this ridiculous character that is just like over the top, but she's also eerie. Like there, the moment where she's in the bathroom by herself. She's really creepy. And then when she's uh, waiting for them by the door when they're leaving, she's pretty creepy there, too. So I, I think she does a great job delivering what could be a really, really easily. And, and you, could ar- you could argue this is overacted, but an overacted, cheesy role where you're rolling yeah. your eyes every time. Yeah. I don't uh, think it's her fault, though. I just think it's the fault of the writing. Uh Yeah. Again, it goes back to the, my view of these characters versus your view of the characters. I think, yep. I and so I don't, I don't fault her performance at all. Actually, I think um, she does fine in her performance, but I, I, I fault the writing in her performance. Uh, my my can't believe the acting award goes to the person I can't fault his performance for, and it's Billy Drayton, um, who plays David's son. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. This guy, like, breaks down crying at multiple times. He's got just oh, yeah. the look of horror on his face as he sees, he, he he asks his dad not to be killed by the monsters and makes his dad yeah. promise not to be killed by the monsters, only to be killed by the true monster himself, his own father, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> it, that's just sick. It's just sick. 
<laughs> right. And you just see that glimpse of horror on his face right before the deed happens. And it's just, it's just wrong. Yeah. Just, you told up. me to watch this. You told me to watch the ending with my son. Yeah. Alex, no, you are, you are a nihilistic human being. And you didn't. So no, because I figured friend. like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's <laughs> going to happen now? So no way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have felt bad if you actually did. Oh yeah, you would have probably. <laughs> yeah, I would have been laughing when we got off the microphone, though. Like I would have yeah. laughed about it all night. But <laughs> you're sick as the director, as I said before. Yes, yes. Uh, what about your standout effect? Uh, so going back to that like warehouse uh, scene where they cut off the tentacle, David cuts off the tentacle, and it's mm. there, and they go back to look at it. And they poke it, no. <laughs> and it like does that weird sort of like curl up, shiver, uh, yeah. and then before becoming like acid, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a, it felt like a practical effect there. It was like the best effect of the movie. <laughs> Actually, there were a couple of cool practical effects, like uh, when that one girl's face got swollen. Oh up. yeah, that was pretty gruesome. Or when the acid web. You know, that got awesome. that guy's leg, and it was just Ooh, oh my that gosh, was a good what? One. Oh, that was horrifying, right? Or whenever his brother was burning in the store and running around, that was pretty horrifying yeah, as well. I can't believe they actually let him die like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty horrifying. Like the practical effects were horrifying. The CGI was was poor, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, the practical stuff was really well done. What yeah. about you? Yeah. Uh, mine was the body, the the military police officer falling and his body just exploding with all the spiders coming oh, yeah. out of his back. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That was disturbing. <laughs> that was brutal. That was like, like that. I, I could see why that would mess people up. But I appreciate that people like uh, Irene Rappler were not faced. <laughs> She's like, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm too, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what about uh, your oh that's a good shot award mine's the cut from uh it's uh david he's he turns off the generator oh, yeah. and he hits his head he falls over and it cuts to amanda holding the aspirin <laughs> which is really funny there's actually a few moments of humor early on in this film yeah yeah that i actually chuckled at that point i was like oh that's funny i like that that's a great cut um <laughs> I'm going to go with the expedition to the pharmacy when they go single file into the mm. fog. The camera just kind of hovers in place. And that's what's really cool is the, the characters move, the camera doesn't, and yet the fog consumes all. Um, very eerie, very eerie how it's done. Uh, and it does it twice, I believe, uh, where we see these characters enter the fog and then exit the fog. And the fog is just all there right like it can't be escaped really cool um effect slash shot uh in those moments yeah the, the those fog moments were always just eerie anytime someone walked into it i really oh sorry the mist what are we doing oh my <laughs> gosh know. the mist anytime yeah. someone walked into the mist i was like this is pretty eerie every time mm-hmm. yeah it's true uh, I guess that brings us to our rating and ranking, Eric. Yeah. Well, I want to hear what you gave it. I want to hear because you okay. didn't seem to like anything about it. Well, here's what I will say. Here's what I did like. I like the situation 
I like the idea of this film. I like the situation. (laughs) (laughs) I like the premise. I like the idea of these humans being trapped in this store, like an AMP local store here, and having to figure out what the heck is this situation going to entail. Like all of that is actually really cool to me. Um, As I said to you, I was watching with Neely and like we asked ourselves the question, like what would we do in this sort of situation? Like when the woman asked for help to go back home because she needs to get back to her children Mm. and nobody asked her for help. Like what would you do in those situations, right? In that specific situation, I think the rational thing to do is to be like, we can't right now. Like, like you just can't, but like you, you also just can't imagine as, as my wife told me, I was like, yeah, but, but from her perspective, the rationality does not play into her perspective, right? Um, she has to get back to her kids and yet no one, no one's willing to help her. Um, and it turns out, of course they should have because <laughs> she made it out. Um, yeah. Which I think just throws a whole wrench in the messaging of this movie again. Uh, I don't think that does. I think just the ending before that, and then that just even more complicates it. That's what I'm saying. I, <laughs> it, it, yeah. There's no... Uh, there's, yeah. yeah. I don't I, know. Yeah. But overall, <laughs> of, overall, it's like... I, I don't think the, the movie gives us a realistic look at human nature. I think the movie gives us a very pessimistic look at human nature, which I am okay with. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm against this sort of nihilistic view necessarily, as long as there's some nuance to it, right? As long as there's some complexity to it. And I think you see more complexity than I do here, which is a credit to you. I, 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 I see more caricatures, I guess, than I see real life human characters that I would meet in my local AMP. And so for me, without seeing that humanity and just seeing straight nihilism without humanity, um, straight cynicism without, not Ollie's being the exception, but straight cynicism without um, real humanity again, I, I'm going to give this film a 2.5 out of 5. Man, I'm surprised. Honestly, I didn't know what you'd think of the ending. I thought you'd be like, oh, yeah, mm, art. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but you're not. You're not kidding. You're no. being serious. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. For, for me, you know, despite never wanting to see this movie again and now seeing it again for the fourth time, <laughs> I, again, never want to see it again. <laughs> now... That is completely because of the ending. Because, like, like I, like we, like well, like we both said, the nihilism and just the knife twists, twists <laughs> at the end are just a lot, a lot. Like, I, I'm actually intrigued to read some of the write-ups about this film because when we're done recording, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, I purposely. Uh, as I've said on the show many times, I purposely do not read things before we or listen yeah. to shows about movies that we cover 
just so I can have my own opinion that it's not influenced. Sometimes I, I, I fail to do that every now and then. I'll like, catch a blurb or something. But yeah. But that being said, like I really do love the rest of the film. Uh, the slow descent into madness inside the store is really an explore, an awesome exploration of groupthink and mob mentalities. And seeing those matches lit along the way until it explodes in the murder and sacrifice of Private Jessup feels disturbingly believable. Plus, I like the monsters. Uh, like they're not great but they are creepy especially when you get those close-ups of their face it's like you could tell that's not of this world (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. that's something weird and so overall like yeah i'm gonna mark it down for its ending because like come on like eh, eh, come on what are you doing over here (laughs) but i'm gonna give it a a a 3.5 out of 5 all right well that's that seems pretty high so i'm i'm gonna retroactively actively change mine to a two just to balance you out alex Uh, okay all right oh my gosh Uh, no honestly i'm now i'm looking up this film and and to see kind of general consensus you know on letterbox it's got a 3.4 out of five all my letterbox friends the all i've got four and a half five star five star i got a couple of lower ones a three star three and a half five star four i Tons, tons of people love this movie, so there must be something in it that I'm not seeing, Alec. Eric, there. Let's be real for uh, for, uh, for a minute. We're always real on this podcast. Um, <laughs> let's be real. A lot of the people that absolutely love this movie unabashedly do it because the ending is so gritty, right? <laughs> let's be real, right? Like, yeah, there's there's traits along the way to like, but. A lot of know. people I, I that rave about this movie. I'm sorry. Most of the time, when I, I, I talk about it, like it's like the be all end all. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're just being edgy. I'm you sorry. think so? <laughs> I don't. I, I I I would I wouldn't say that. I don't think. I actually think the movie, as I said, the premise is good. Like I think, like it's actually it's pretty interesting. So maybe that's like I'm going against my own two star review here. But wait, like, did you really some, lower it to two? Yeah, I'm really lowering it. Why? Because I put a seven. Are you serious? The three point five. Get Whatever. it right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I I'm lowering it to two. Because uh, I just think, um, yeah, I just don't. I can't get on board with with how this movie portrays its characters. But with that said, it's like there must be. And I do think it's interesting. Like, and I guess other people see the humanity more than I do. Um, which I'm fine with. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I do think, as I said, the premise is interesting. Lots of the conflicts are really interesting um, that happen between the human characters. This, the, the ideas explored are very interesting. We had a great, we've, I've enjoyed this discussion a whole lot. Lots of times our discussion pulls up the movie for me, but in this case, you know, it's just making me think about death. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I, and to be fair, I do have a friend who, anytime there's a movie with an ending like this, he's he's all he's in love with it. I'm hmm. like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. like so. I I know people that love movies with endings that do this. See, but like, I'm trying to but, think but of this, but this is, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, Alex. Because there's like, not one. I, I've seen not, dark endings. Not an equivalent. I've and it's like I'm not endings. opposed. <laughs> 
I feel like if you only listen to this show of Monsters vs. Men, you're going to think like, wow, this Eric guy doesn't like any dark endings. Like, come on, man. Like, it- Well, if people have watched <laughs> this like- movie, they know that this is this is like t- top tier. Like, th- There's only a yeah. few movies that probably compare. And it's not even that. Like, of- it's, I-, I don't mind a dark ending. Yeah, I, just I don't. don't I honestly, I don't even know if it's rational. Like, I just, I don't even think it. I don't even know if it makes sense in the context of the movie. I just don't. I, I think, think it does, but I don't know. I don't. It's it's interesting to me, but um, oh well. We do talk about the rationality aspect on MVM Plus. Uh, if you are interested, do check that out. As always, Alex. Well, actually, rhyme time next week. We've got our next matchup is uh, Hal from Beyond the Fog, and. Not the mist, not how from beyond the mist, how from beyond the fog, and uh, <laughs> and monster calls or monster calls. Do you have a rhyme for next week? I don't, but th- those are both easy to rhyme with. Those are easy to rhyme with. Um, I feel like I've used this word already, though. You want me to go first? Yeah, because I, I think I may have already used this word for for fog. So yeah, go All right. ahead. Does the one seed how from beyond the fog overcome the four seed a monster calls? Or does the children-centered underdog cause the top seed to fall? Oh, that's yeah. That's that this week. That's definitely better than anything I'm coming up with. Yeah, I, you know, I've just been wondering, like, is how beyond the fog actually a slog? Because let's be real, monster calls is gonna have small <laughs> numbers voting. Whatever, I'm done. Is a slog. Yeah, uh, you haven't seen either one, right? No, and uh, this will be the first week where the one I wanted to win is going to. I can already guarantee it. How, how from calls. Beyond the Fog? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be on the fog. Uh, all right. Well, as always, Alex, uh, listeners can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod on Letterboxd where Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. I've got a couple reviews, Alex, that I'm saving for the right episode to read to you. Um, but they're pretty nice. Pretty nice. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try to stay alive. I really need that reminder this week, Alex. Because Michael, once again, not there to save me from this movie. Thanks a lot, Michael.